Welcome to episode number 58 of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast. Josh Taylor, Greg Finley here with you. And this is an interesting one. We've been trying to find a name to go with the number for this one because there's a couple of easy ones, Greg. Jack Lambert, easy. Chris Letang, easy. You had to dig deep into the archives <laughs> to find the name for this episode. And it's a pretty good one. Baseballalmanac.com, Brandon Cumpton. The pitcher for the Pirates back in like 2012. <laughs> that that's impressive. Good work by you. That's great. That's great crack research there. Baseball Almanac's a great website. You can search any player by jersey number. Like I just typed in Pirates that wore 58, and they have every single pirate that wore every single number on Baseball Almanac in order from years. That's fantastic. By jersey number, absolutely awesome. fantastic. Great work by you. <laughs> Now, episode 58, we, we've talked so much football, and we got more coming, but at the same time, do we do we want to get into this whole thing with the Penguins real quick? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because this is kind of crazy. We're actually, we're actually doing this episode at the end of the Penguins' loss against Detroit, and that came immediately 24 hours after the Pens lose on the road against the Islanders. Five to one, they lose to the Islanders. Then they have a 4 nothing lead on Detroit in the first period and lose 5-4 to four in the second game. It, this is this is bad. This looks really bad, Greg. It looks terrible. I mean, you lose to the Islanders. I'm, you know, the Islanders were favored in that game. You weren't expected to lose by four, but, you know, you went to New York. You lose that game. I'm not mad about that one. You will go up 4 nothing in the first period. And then you lose the game five to four. I'm mad about that one. That's that's one to be mad about. And it was it was after the first game that Mike Sullivan talked about how that game against the Islanders might have been might have been their worst performance of the season. That's what we're talking about. And think about what this team had done up until the holiday. They were eight one and one in the month of December before Christmas came around. I mean now I look, they're oh one and one since. I look at I look at that game. Against the Islanders, they had four shots on net in the second period. You're never going to win a hockey game if you can only put four shots on net. And then they followed it up with only five in the third period. Josh, that's terrible. They had pretty much no chances to score. The one goal that was by P.O. Joseph was on a deflection that Brock McGinn didn't even get credit for. But they didn't have any high great chances. Meanwhile, the Islanders had them in spades over and over again. And that game could have been way worse. Tristan Jari kept it from being an absolute disaster because he was getting literally no help in front of him. I want to say it was that fourth goal. I think it was the Barzal goal when they couldn't even get the puck from behind their own net. Yeah. They had it on their own end, couldn't get it from behind their own net. They're kicking it around, and Barzal just picks it up and goes, fine, I'll take it, and just throws it at the net, and it goes in. And that's kind of what happened in the red, in, in overtime against the Red Wings. They shoot the puck at the net. Nobody crashes the net. Wide open rebound score to win the game in overtime. It's just I, it's frustrating. And this was a game that Casey DeSmith looked really good in in the first period. Mm-hmm. Second period, it gives up two goals. You're still up 4-2. Third period, you give up two goals, and it's 4-4, and you're thinking, when's the offense going to come back and do something? And they never did. Never did. You and I talk about this all the time. If you get a lead, you don't just sit back and rest on the lead. You have to keep at least applying pressure somehow, whether it's defensively or if you want to keep scoring, whatever have you. But you can't sit there and expect a lead 
to just sit on its own. The other team is going to up their efforts to try to cut into that lead because that's their only chance to get back into the game is to have a higher sense of urgency. And if you just completely ignore that and don't try to do either increase your defensive intensity or up your own scoring, that's what's going to happen. You're going to lose a game like that, and that's what happened. I mean, how many more times do we have to see teams blow leads until the unwritten rule gets put to bed where you can't blow teams out and then it causes problems? Let the guys blow the team out and keep blowing the team out because I'm seeing too many times now when you pull your starters, you let them right back in it and you lose. I, I just watched I just watched Arkansas blow a 25-point lead against Kansas exactly. in the ballgame. Exactly. Like, you, you can't just – you get out to a lead – you cannot sit there and get comfortable. You have to be able to either A, keep scoring if the other team scores, or B, find something that allows you to keep the other team from catching you. But either way, if you can't do both, I don't care, but you got to do something other than just sitting there letting it fester. Have you ever read the Tuesday morning quarterback on Yahoo.com? It's been a while. He talked about prevent defense and how – they, you know, they go, well, we can't allow the deep ball. Okay, so you allow Dink and Dunk the entire time while they mm-hmm. just go right down the field and get right back into the game that way. And it doesn't kill that much clock because they're running tempo. Right. So prevent doesn't work either. Right. It, it's almost it's almost like the best thing, and this is just this is just me spitballing here. The best thing you can do is anticipate that the other team is going to try to actually get past you and trying to get back into the game. So you almost anticipate that, okay, there's only so much you can do before you have to buckle down. Or you can just buckle down now and play the same defense you've been playing before in effort to try to slow the other team down. Because if you, if you let's say we're sticking with football. If you go to prevent defense, you're going to give that other team, like you said, all that space underneath to operate. And now you're going to give them time and space to operate because – in college, all you got to do is get a first down and the clock stops. Right. So you're doing them a favor by giving them free access to first downs. That's not fun. That's not smart. The easier thing to do is to, okay, if you want to play like a, 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 a cover two zone, fine. Or if you want to play like a cover three shell, that's fine. That I understand. But when you just go straight prevent and let a team just continue to cut you to death by a thousand cuts, mm-hmm. you're you're welcoming yourself for trouble. And Arkansas did that with... Uh, with with uh, Kansas. And the Penguins did it with the Red Wings. <laughs> In way of hockey form. You and I talked about this all the time. And I've, I've told you my philosophy. I'm not even slowing down if I'm a college football coach until I hit 40. If you're up 40? Like, I'm, I'm not slowing down until I hit 40 points. I'm not even thinking about slowing down until I hit 40. Mm-hmm. Because you know how hard it is to score 40 points and lose? Uh, unless you're in the Pac-12. <laughs> unless you're in the Pac-12. This is true. Or unless you're in a, a team that runs the air raid. But it is hard to score 40 points in a football game and lose. It doesn't happen often. So in, in my estimation, I'm not slowing down till I get to 40. Now, if I don't get to 40 and I get to like 30, 35, okay, fine. But I'm still not slowing down until I get a two or three possession lead. I'm not slowing down till the fourth quarter and I'm up by three scores. That's what I'm saying. Like, like you, you get a three possession lead in the fourth quarter. All right, now I can take it easy for a little bit. But I'm tired of seeing these guys slow down so quickly. And, you know, the Indianapolis Colts against the Vikings, you're up 33 nothing, and you didn't do anything in the second half and let them right back into the game 
and then you lose the game outright. It just you it's can't, it can't be allowed. Cannot be allowed. Uh, it, it, the Penguins are in trouble, man. Like we're talking about two games, but they can't beat the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are owning them right now, and you're gonna have to face these guys come playoff time if you can get past the first round because Carolina's no joke. But you got to be able to beat them, and the Penguins have not been able to do it yet. And a former Penguins been the thorn in their side. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Stahl is giving them all the work <laughs> that they could possibly handle. It's just, and I had a guy who tweeted me because I was talking about this on the radio, and there's a guy who said, you know, it's just one game of 82. No, not really, because they did the same thing the night before. Like, you, you can't isolate it as one of 82 when you played the way you did. You can't just say, oh, you know, it's just another regular season game. No. Because that negates everything that came before the break. Right. When they played 8-1-1 and one and one hockey in the first three weeks of December. So now all of that gets wiped away because you want to just look at it as one game. No. There's a reason why they went 8-1-1 one and one in December because they were doing the right things. And they went on their holiday break and came back and stopped doing the right things. And that becomes a problem. And they still have to face Jersey on Friday. Then they got to go to Boston for the Winter Classic. This is... This is a bad time to have that problem. Yep, I agree. That This was one that they really needed to have, and they didn't get it. They got a point, but they didn't get a win. And uh, I'm concerned about them. At first, you know, concerned about them because they weren't playing well. Then they go on this long run, but it doesn't matter if you can go on a big win streak. What matters is can you beat the top teams, and you're not able to beat Carolina right now. You're not able to beat the Islanders. You got embarrassed by the Islanders. Right. That's you got concerning. humbled by the Islanders. Yeah, that's concerning. And then you blow a four-goal lead at home. That's another thing. It's not like they did this in Detroit. No, they did it at They home. did this at home. Yeah. Like, losing to the Islanders at HBC Arena, you're like, okay, at least they at least they lost on the island. Right. You came home and gave up five straight to Detroit. That's not new. No. Can't happen. Mm-mm. That, that is not kosher at all. And, and it's... It's one of those things where, and, and this was an observation that uh, my buddy Andrew Carducci made, it's they're going to have to come to grips with the fact that there are guys on this roster that have aged out, they're not getting any better, the time is starting to show, the injuries, the surgeries, all those things are starting to add up, and it's not coming up the way you want it to. No. They're going to have to make some hard decisions. They are. And I wouldn't want to be the one that has to make those decisions. Cause Agreed. One way or the other, people aren't going to be happy. Oh, no. This fan base is hard to make happy. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of what you do. So that's the first time we've talked hockey on this podcast since, like, playoff hockey. It's, it's been a while. Since, uh, who was who was the big guy that filled in during the playoffs that played in goalie? You know who I'm talking about? Who, Louis Domingue? Yeah, that yeah. was the last time we talked about the Penguins. Since pi- spicy pork and broccoli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we did 10 minutes on the Penguins. Let's do... 10 minutes on college football playoff because that's coming up this weekend. Yep. And then let's talk about the Steelers, and that'll be good, right? Sounds good to me. Okay, cool. So, uh, you know, Georgia and Ohio State, Michigan and TCU. You know, I've heard a lot this week that Ohio State might take full advantage of this second opportunity that they're getting because they were down and out when they lost to Michigan. But if it weren't for Utah twice – to right. knock out USC twice, uh, Ohio State wouldn't even be in this in this situation. So, 
I've heard a couple of times now, you know, will Ohio State take full advantage of this second opportunity? Are people sleeping on them? Why is the spread only six and a half points? Well, I'm here to tell you, and I don't need to tell you, Josh, but <laughs> the listeners out there, that Georgia is still really good. Yep. I don't care if Ohio State gets a second chance. It doesn't matter to me. You couldn't beat Michigan in Columbus. In Columbus, yep. What's to tell me that you're going to beat Georgia in the college football playoff? It's not going to happen. And we saw how that Georgia, how that Ohio State-Michigan matchup went. And we saw what Michigan had to do. If you can't overcome that with Michigan, there's no way you're going to overcome that with Georgia. Ohio State has to come out with their hair on fire. They have to be as aggressive offensively as they possibly can. And I don't even know if that helps them. Because if Georgia can get after the quarterback, if they can get after Stroud, I don't know if it matters at this point. I don't know if it matters how aggressive you can be. Because regardless of how good your receivers are, if your quarterback's on his back, your receivers don't matter. Exactly. And you got Jalen Carter and this whole pack of dogs coming after you. And I don't think it's going to matter who the receivers are if C.J. Stroud can't get three seconds to throw. I agree. And these top-notch receivers that are going to be NFL receivers, doesn't really matter if you can – you know, if they can get open because the rush is going to be coming after Stroud so much, he's going to be running for his life and making mistakes. Not to mention the fact those NFL receivers, they're going to be facing NFL DBs. Yeah, the secondary for George is very good. You know what Georgia got. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. Roman Reigns of college football. And not to mention the fact their quarterback's going to be chased by some NFL defensive linemen. So I'll put it too. this way. I'm not going to feel comfortable for Ohio State unless they get up 14 points, and that's not going to happen. They, they would have to get out to a point where they go down and score immediately. They force a three and out. They go down and score again, and they're up 14 nothing. Okay, Georgia's got to play from behind, but Ohio State's got to keep their foot on the gas, yeah. and it's hard to do that against Georgia. It would have to be like first possession touchdown, second possession like turnover, like pick six. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, maybe Ohio State's in control of this. But even then, Georgia's still getting the ball back. Exactly. So good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's only six and a half points, like – I, I can't I can't figure that one out. I think it should be at least 10. Here's the other thing. They're playing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which Georgia has already told you, yeah, that's a home game for us. <laughs> We're cool with that. Like, we are perfectly okay with it. They wouldn't whooped Oregon in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to start the season. Then they went to the SEC championship game, and they whooped LSU on that field. Now you get a chance to come back in the semifinal of the college football playoff and whoop another team? In Atlanta. In Atlanta? <laughs> you're, you're giving them another chance at this? That's, that's honestly not fair. It really is <laughs> like, fair. Why wouldn't they put them in the other one? <laughs> like, why would you put them in the – going to let them play in the Peach Bowl and make Ohio State come down and deal with that? Good luck. <laughs> I, I wouldn't like it if I was Ohio State. Nah. And George is like, really? You're, you're letting us do this? Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. that, uh, it's, it. it's honestly like mean. <laughs> the committee's like, okay, how can we give Georgia even more of an advantage? It, it's cruel and unusual, man. It it really is. Like it just, yeah, sure. Yeah, here's just here's you know you're defending champions, but yeah, semifinal. You know, couple you can hours play in from. Georgia. That's fine. Yeah, you can we'll, play, in we'll play in your home state. No big deal. <laughs> we know your fans will be there because they love you, but you know, why not? Who cares? Ohio State fans will travel. It's no big deal. <laughs> I, I said the same thing as far as as far as uh, 
You know, if if you're if you're in Michigan having to deal with um a Georgia team like that, could you imagine me Michigan having to go down to Georgia? You're like, oh yeah, no, no problem. Michigan fans travel, but no, 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 no. They actually did the the right thing by putting Michigan two and Michigan being in the Fiesta Bowl against TCU because just imagine being the team that has to imagine having to go to Georgia if that actual national championship game was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium as opposed to just the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Then it then it gets really crazy. It does. But I still think that they should have played Georgia Ohio State at the Fiesta Bowl. Just because it, yeah. it's too much of a home field advantage and it's supposed to be a neutral site. Right. That's the whole point of this. And then you have Michigan TCU in the Peach Bowl. In Atlanta. I think that's fair. I think that would have been a fair assessment. I'm surprised that they actually did it the other way. I'm kind of stu- kind of shocked at that. I just feel like Kirby had something to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, they knew the Peach Bowl was going to be there because that's where they play the Peach Bowl every year. So, I mean, they they knew what to expect as far as the Peach Bowl being one of the semifinals, and they had to understand that. Well, there's a good chance Georgia could ba- end up back here again and end up playing there. So it wasn't like it was some, you know, unforeseen circumstances. They right. knew exactly what they were dealing with. Yeah. Okay, so that's Georgia, Ohio State. Then we go to TCU and Michigan. TCU's lucky enough that they're even in this thing. Uh, yeah, and I it, it's weird. I don't think they can do what they did the first time to get themselves into the playoff. I don't think that they can get another Max Duggan comeback like he had against Not Kansas against State. this team. Not against not against this Michigan. And this team. is you and me talking about Michigan. Right. We hate Michigan right. on this we, show. <laughs> we have been exceptionally hard on Michigan. But, but we acknowledge a good team when we see it. Yes. And they're they're a pretty good team. <laughs> and you can't do against Michigan what you did against against Kansas State. And Kansas State got into a league pretty quickly against DCU. And and Max Duggan dug deep to to pull that out and get them in overtime. But I don't know if Max Duggan can do that a second time against Michigan's defense. And that's not kidding. That's not considering the fact that Michigan's offense may not let you back that close. They right. may not give you the chance. Because if Michigan gets a lead on you, especially a, a one-possession lead or bigger, they're going to bleed you out. And Corum's not playing, right? No, but— if, Yeah, if it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. But you have Jonathan <laughs> Edwards, and he can still run, yeah. and all he needs is a crack. He exactly. doesn't need a lot of space. He'll slip right through. Exactly. And Michigan will—they'll bleed you out. If they get a lead on you, they're going to run you out. They're going to run you down and run the clock out and just let you bleed out. They're not going to give you much much of a chance to get back in that game. And I don't think TCU, as, as interesting of their offense as I like it, as much as I like Sonny, Do- Sonny Dykes as a head coach, as much as I like Max Duggan, I just don't think they're capable of being able to bring themselves all the way back to do that against a Michigan team like this if Michigan gets a lead. You saw what they did against Ohio State. How they just pretty much tortured Ohio State. They played with their food in the second half of that game. <laughs> and we don't think they'll do that to TCU. It, it, it's pretty simple to me. And the whole kryptonite of Michigan was they couldn't throw the ball, but yet they were able to throw the ball oh my God. when in, they needed in, to. In, in high volume. Like, <laughs> which leads me to believe that Michigan's going to have some stuff ready to go that TCU's never seen. You know they're going to work some stuff in there. That's another thing I'm expecting. They're going to go and expect, okay, Michigan's going to run the ball and maybe a couple play actions. And Michigan's going to come out throwing and try to go over top of of uh, TCU's heads, and it just might work. Yeah, TCU, not the best defense in the world. It's a Big 12 defense. And, I mean, it's, it's the remnants of the Gary Patterson era, but it's not the kind of defense in terms of, okay, you knew what you were getting with, with a Gary Patterson unit. You knew what kind of, of play that was going to be associated. This was a little bit different under Sunny Dykes. Michigan is a eight-point favorite. Do they cover the eight? I think they do. I think, think Michigan they win covers by, the eight. 
two possessions. It feels like a two-touchdown game to me. If for no other reason that, like I said before, Michigan will get a lead. TCU will try to make it a game. I think Michigan will just, their defense will just be good enough to keep them at arm's length. And their offense just is going to wear them out. They're just going to completely grind them down. I think it might be worse than two-touchdown game. I think this might be like a Michigan-Georgia game from last year. Oh, wow. Where, Michigan might win like forty-one to like fourteen. It's funny we say Michigan Georgia game from last year, and they could we have them in the national championship now. <laughs> I know, and the thing is, I think it's gonna be a lot better. <laughs> I, I agree. I totally agree. I think Michigan has has definitely figured out what they needed to do differently. I think they're a way more physical team than they were before. And if you're gonna face face Georgia with any chance in hell, you better be physical and you better be ready for it. And then Georgia will beat Ohio State. They're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win by two scores at least. I would say the same. All right, so let's parlay it. Oh, my. (laughs) Am I ready to do that right now? I don't know. (laughs) Hey, by the way, way, speaking of parlaying it in bets and and things we are ready or not ready to do, we got to talk about this because Steelers and Ravens on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Sunday Night Football. Steelers are seven and eight with two games left. I'm liking our over seven and a half a lot right now. Over seven and a half. We got two cracks at it here. Either in Baltimore or at home against Cleveland. Even if I, they don't beat Baltimore, I think they can beat Cleveland. I think they can still beat Cleveland. I, it, it feels like they have two solid cracks at this, and I feel like that seven and a half is going to hit. Which is nuts because they were two and six, were, and you and me were both like, I mean, they could still do it because the back half of the schedule looks okay, but when they lost to. Oh, what was the game that was the gut wrencher? Was it the Raven? It was the Ravens game. The Ravens game, yeah. They had to have, in my opinion, they had to have it, and they lose that game. They beat Vegas, and right. now they're right back in it again. And and they made it a point to beat all the teams from the NFC South because <laughs> that entire division is awful. I'm glad that they did that at least because you lose at any of those teams, yikes. But we talked about that. We knew they were facing the AFC South. We knew they were facing teams like the Colts. We knew they were facing teams like the Raiders, and we both thought that, okay, that's a game they can win at home just for the the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. But we also figured, hey, that's a Colt game. It's Vegas. They're coming across the country. Colt game in December, that's when they can win. Yeah, and they did. Yeah, there you go. I thought um, thought the defense was incredible in that game. Oh, my gosh. Three turnovers, three sacks. Opening drive was miserable, but after that, they settled in completely, did everything they could for that team to win that game. The offense continued to not do anything to help them win that game until the final drive. And uh, we've been talking about it all year. That's the formula that if you have a bad offense or your offense isn't clicking, your defense has to win you a football game. They get three turnovers, Mm -hmm. and they win them that football game. They had to win that game ugly, or at least win the first – they had to – Deal with ugly for the first 58 minutes. <laughs> right. And in the last two, they actually did what they needed to do. But I, I keep telling people, this is something that we saw from this team in, re- in recent years. We saw this in 05. We saw this in 08. We saw some of this in 2010, where this offense wasn't necessarily a world beater. They could put points on the board in 2010. We know this. Mm-hmm. But there were going to be times when if they got to an ugly game, the defense might have to win ugly and just keep them close enough for, for Ben to come and finish it off. And now we're seeing that again, where it's the defense keeping it close enough for Kenny Pickett to finish it off, which doesn't surprise me at all. But And I get that you want it to happen a certain way, but matchups don't work that way. Matchups can't be what you want them to be. Matchups are what the other team does and how you respond to what they do. And can you take away what they do best? If not, how can you attack them another way? 
They took away Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the two things that the Raiders do best. <laughs> I was surprised they took away both. I thought they'd get one or the other. Yeah. The fact that they held Devontae Adams to two catches on nine targets and Josh For Jacobs. 15 yards. They didn't even let him yards. burn them yeah. on one deep He didn't ball. even burn them. And then they, they limited Josh Jacobs. 44 yards on 15 carries. And my fantasy team got stomped in, in, in regards to that yep. because of it. Yep. Both of my fantasy teams lost. So I had Jacobs and Devontae. Yep. Just, just bad. Absolutely bad. But it, it does speak to what the Steelers' defense did. They scored that first drive, the Raiders did. And then they didn't get in the end zone ever again. I feel like Cam and TJ rallied the troops and were like, that's unacceptable. We oh, can't yeah. let that happen ever again. Yeah, it, and they didn't. <laughs> Cam played like his hair was on fire. He, he sure did. He played specifically like, okay, we're not losing this game for Franco. AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Absolutely. Very uh, well earned by him. Well earned. Seven tackles, three for a loss, two sacks. He did everything he could. He was in the backfield at all points of the night. All points of the night. He did exactly what they needed him to do in that defense. And Alex Highsmith had a sack as well. So it's it was a really good showing by the front line. About the final drive by Pickett, I was very impressed. Seven and nine. Looked pretty good. And I, I like the fact that he was making good decisions. He wasn't forcing anything. He wasn't panicking. It was, okay, read, react, make the play. He did everything you need a quarterback in that situation to do. And here's the scary part. He's getting better at it. Mm -hmm. He's getting better each time. When he has opportunities in certain situations, he's getting better at them. He's getting better when he has the ball with the lead and trying not to blow the game. He's getting better at doing that. He's getting better at having the ball with the deficit trying to come back and win the game. He's done that, and he's done it on the road a couple times now. Did it in Indy? It, well, I should say did it in Indy on the road, then he's done it at home in Pittsburgh. So now we've seen him handle different situations that top-notch quarterbacks have to handle often, and he's responded. Now, he didn't handle them as well to begin with, but that was a learning experience, and I honestly believe he's learned from that, and he's growing from it. Uh, Game-winning drive against, was it against Atlanta, I think that was? Mm -hmm. After the one that was against Indianapolis. They did that twice in a week within like six days. Right. And they had back-to-back -back drives where they needed to get points, they got him, and it worked. Then they come home in an emotionally charged game, game where their season's on the line, their thin playoff hopes hang by a thread, they need points, and they drive down the field and get them. I can't complain about what we saw from the offense in that drive. Yeah, did they look great for the first three quarters of the game? No, they didn't, and that's fine. But as long as you're there when it counts in the end, that's all that matters. So the defense kept it close enough just so the offense could get in there in the end and make it a game that they could win. They did exactly what they needed to do. And this is why I keep telling people, you worry so much about the style points, and you're not worrying about the actual points. Worry about how you're going to get the actual points. Deal with the style points later. They've got two games remaining. They need to win both. They need the Jets to lose on Sunday, and they need Miami to lose out. Yep. They're about a 2% chance to make the playoffs. Yep. Am I crazy for thinking that it should be a lot higher than that? I totally think it should be a lot higher, and I don't think you're crazy. I think Miami can definitely lose the last two games, especially yes. without Tua. Absolutely. I think um, the Jets can lose to the Seahawks. I totally think that. Totally the, think The it. New England's got to lose Week 18 as well, and they're playing... Uh, I believe they have the Bills. They're playing Buffalo. Are you kidding me? And Buffalo's going to be playing for the number one seed. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not worried about that. It's going to come down to can the Steelers beat Baltimore and then can the Jets beat the Dolphins in the final week of the season. That's where I'm at. Yeah. What about much. you? That's where you're at. That's, that's what I'm thinking. And it's 
And can the Seahawks beat the Jets? And I think they can. It's it's in Seattle. Yeah. And Mike White's going to be the guy this time around, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah. They're done with Wilson. There you go. And honest, the guy who could win it for them is Mike White. He's the one. Ugh. Other than that, <laughs> I'm thinking Seattle. But Mike White's got to go off yeah. to give the Jets a chance. And he can. We know he can. We've seen him do it. But, yeah, that's what it's going to be. But I it, I feel like it's a lot bigger than 2% too. I think it should be bigger than 2%. But then again, you know, I can't do that math. That's that's way above <laughs> way above my high water mark as far as high school math is concerned. So, But we'll take it for what it is. But I think you and I agree. This is more doable than we think. Here's the problem. Let's say they do this. Let's say they do what they need to do and get in the playoffs. They got to play Mahomes. <laughs> you either got to deal with Mahomes, best case scenario, or worst case scenario, you might have to deal with Buffalo again. In Buffalo, again. I I don't know how that's a positive, I think I'd making ra- the playoffs. I think I'd rather not make the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, is, is making the playoffs a good thing in this situation? Does it really help you? Because you might get served up to KC again, and this time you got Juju on the other side of the field, who was with you last time and didn't make much of an impact. Now he's on the other team with a new quarterback, with a new head coach, new lease on life with a new offense, and he might be the guy that puts the dagger in your heart. Other than Kelsey. Other than Jason Kelsey. <laughs> other, or Jason, other than Travis Kelsey. Are, are you comfortable with that? Can you can you sleep with that at night? I can't. Uh, no. It'd be like the Bills game all over again. Right. <laughs> It'll be like Kansas City in the playoffs last year yeah. all over again. Uh, I don't think this, they would hold them to no points in the first quarter like they did last time. And, and honest, that was, that was the biggest missed opportunity. And everybody was saying, oh, the defense. The defense kept them in that game. They gave them the lead. Right. They they shut out Kansas City for like 20 minutes and then gave them a 7 nothing lead. And the offense did nothing with it. Right. Nothing. They, they couldn't respond to anything. They just couldn't manage to keep pace. It's, it's just, it was it was awful. And you might run into that a second time? Okay. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Exactly. You read my mind. Uh, so Steelers and Ravens, who wins? I feel like the Steelers learned from their mistakes in that first game against Baltimore. The thing that will stick out for me, how well will they shut down the run for Baltimore? Because Baltimore ran rough shot on them last time, 215 in that game. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, oh, they need to stop in the fourth quarter. Folks, they weren't getting a stop in the first three. What made you think they were getting a stop in the fourth? They already had 200 yards rushing by the time that last drive in the fourth quarter came. It wasn't It wasn't the, about the ability to get the stop in the fourth quarter. It was about the ability to stop the offense in the first three, and they didn't do it then either. And not turning the ball over inside the red zone tw- two times. You can't You can't <laughs> turn it over three times altogether, and I, I will contend this. The first interception and the third, I'm willing to live with. It's the second one that hurts the most for me because you had the ball at the end of the first half, and you were getting the ball to start the second half. This is where you, wear the, this is where you win the middle eight, as they call it. The last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. More often than not, like seriously, 70-some-odd percent of the time, I think that's the math is correct, the team that wins the middle eight probably is going to win the game. And they had a chance to do that against against Baltimore. But Trubisky turns it over late in the second half, then they get the ball back, and they don't do anything with it either. That was your chance to take this game over, put Baltimore on their heels, and you know they can't throw. So now you got to make them one-dimensional because the one thing they can do is taken away from them because they no longer have the lead. And they couldn't do it. Yep. That's how you needed to win that game. And this game is no different. You need to get out ahead of them early. 
You need to try to get some points on the board. Don't be too aggressive and try to do something stupid. Get points by any means necessary, but get a lead, preferably a two-possession lead. Force Baltimore to become one-dimensional. Force them to throw the football and just pin your ears back. Send four guys after Tyler Huntley. Drop a bunch of guys back and force him to make a mistake. That's the way you win this game. For me, it's protect the quarterback because they didn't do it last time. They did not, just I, like they didn't against Tampa. I need Kenny Pickett to play in this game for the entire 60 minutes. I need him to stay healthy and not get his head taken off by Patrick Queen like he did last time. Exactly. Or was it Roquan Smith? Whoever it was. I think it was Patrick Queen. Yeah, whoever it was that took his head off, I don't need that to happen again. I, I need him agree. to play in this game and give this team a chance to live to fight another week. <laughs> of a playoff run. <laughs> and it's 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 crazy because if you told me at two and six at the bye week, hey, this team's got a chance to finish nine and eight, I'd be like, man, get out of here. Like, stop playing. This is crazy. But here we are. Here we are. So we'll see how this plays out. I'm curious. Me too. I I, I am I am more intrigued about this game because no Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I think I think that uh Huntley can run, and Dobbins can run, but if the Steelers can do what they did to Josh Jacobs, why wouldn't they be able to do that to Dobbins and be able to contain Huntley? My my issue is, can you do what you did against Jacobs, knowing that it's a little bit of a different offense? And, and Alan Saunders from Steelers Now was a guest on, on my radio show, and he pointed this out. The game you want to look at as the blueprint for how to beat Baltimore was Carolina. Because they, had, they did a lot of different formations, uh, fullback, couple tight ends. They're trying to load up and really run the ball with the power style. Mm -hmm. And they shut down Carolina. Carolina's got a two-headed monster. Right. So if you're looking at the possibility of being able to stop Buff, uh, Baltimore's run game, Carolina's probably the game you're looking at. Oh, uh, Vegas, a lot of shotgun zone runs, a lot of just taking advantage of the numbers. Maybe you see a two-high shell, you run it because of two-high safety. You're not going to get inside the box quickly. That's what kind of what they took advantage of a little bit more, but the Steelers shut that down too. But I'm thinking more or less, look at what they did against Carolina, and can you be disciplined enough to make those plays on Edwards? But if Baltimore gets into that option game, can you be disciplined enough to keep an eye on Edwards or Dobbins but still be ready for Huntley if he decides to leave on his own accord? I think, I think they can. I mean, they, they showed that they could do it against the Carolina Panthers with Hubbard and Foreman, I think they can do it here against Baltimore. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too too low on Baltimore because I've seen what they look like without Lamar Jackson. But more often than not, these guys split. The Ravens yeah. got one 16-14 because the Steelers made too many mistakes. If you learn from those mistakes and you have a healthy Kenny Pickett, yes. I think you go to Baltimore and you win this game. Not to mention eight of the last 11 games, the team that won the turnover margin won the game. The other three times, it was even. So in the last 11 games, the team that has lost a turnover margin has not lost this, has not won this game. So that is really, really vital as far as what this offense can do. And, and I think you're right. You get another crack at it with Kenny Pickett. Maybe you don't get the same mistakes you did the first time. Maybe your offense a little bit is a little bit more efficient than it was the first time. And maybe because your offense is more efficient, your defense is probably a little bit more rested instead of having to deal with long drives where you're getting gashed by Baltimore's run game. I think all that adds up together. Let's take a quick break. We will uh, take a pause for a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we'll wrap it up. Episode 58 of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast. We'll be right back.
The Sunday Morning Grind podcast is presented by Ethos Life. Get up to $2 million in life insurance the easy way with Ethos. Skip the medical exam and weeks of waiting. With just a few health and lifestyle questions, Ethos approves up to 95% of applicants in about 10 minutes with coverage from trusted carriers. Tailor your policy to fit your budget and get help from licensed agents whenever you need it. Ethos provides instant coverage for more families than any other provider and a top-rated experience customers love. In the time it takes to drink your morning coffee, you can get peace of mind for your family today with Ethos. Two. Welcome back. You hear the music? That means it's time for Hot Sheet. We do this every week during football season. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't go so well. Sometimes we end up above room temperature. A lot of times we end up below room temperature. (laughs) And most of the time we're just trying to stay at room temperature. And, Greg, that's kind of where I am right now. You're right at 119 and 119. Wow. And I am at 115 and 123. All right. Here we go. Week 17 of the NFL season. Can't believe we're at the next last week of the season. This is crazy. It's nuts. It went really fast. It did. It really did. It always does. It really does. Because they only play three times a week. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Dallas Cowboys at the Titans. Tennessee's pretty much benching everybody. Cowboys minus 12 on the road. Yeah, this is a strange situation for Tennessee because this game doesn't matter to them. As long as they beat Jacksonville next week, they can still win the division. So this game becomes irrelevant to them. You said Giants minus 12? Cowboys. Oh, oh, Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys minus 12. Do they have much to play for, though? They already locked up a playoff spot. Dallas has locked up a playoff spot, but they're technically, I don't think, I think they're still in it in the division. Yeah, they are. They are. Because they beat Philly that second time around. Right. Okay. Well, then then they will probably play for it. I'll take the Cowboys in the points. Because they took turns beating each other, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. Both against backup quarterbacks. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Dallas, definitely. Yeah, okay. We move to Sunday. New Orleans at the Eagles. Philly minus six. Undetermined who the quarterback is. I don't think it matters, though. <laughs> it probably doesn't. And I said this going into last week. I still trust Philly because they can run the ball and they've got a really good defense. And Gartner Minshew, I thought, played well enough. But just Dallas's offense played really well last week. Mm-hmm. And they made just enough They made just enough plays and just few enough mistakes to outlast Philly. But this won't be the same. I got Philly beating New Orleans. I got them covered. I've got Philly beating New Orleans as well, even if it's Gardner Minshew. I think uh, – Yes. I think they'll be able to beat. Minshew Mania will reign supreme. I'll take Minshew over Andy Dalton seven days out of the week. And (laughs) twice on Sunday. (laughs) Which is when they play this game. There you go. I'm taking it twice. (laughs) We're we're taking it twice. Uh, Our favorite team in the whole world that killed both our parlays last (laughs) week. Oh, no. Chicago at the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions minus six at home. Am I allowed to not trust Detroit? Course. Even though they're at home. Of course. Even though they're facing Chicago. And Chicago is, for lack of a better word, outside of running the ball. They do that really well. Everything else they're terrible at. 
I think I only need to run the ball, though, because that's all Carolina did against Detroit. And Detroit couldn't <laughs> stop it. Exactly. It, they give up 100, 120 rushing yards a game. Or, I'm sorry, they give up 145 rushing yards a game. It's like, the, what, the fourth worst run defense in the league? I'm going to go off the reservation here. Chicago can run their way into at least staying in this game because Detroit can't stop it. Yep. So I'll go with the Bears. I'm taking the Bears as well. Same reason. Although this is probably the week that the Lions offense scores 48 points. This is true. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> but the Lions also score 26.1 a game, and then they allow 26.7 a game. It's hard to trust. It is. Uh, Carolina and Tampa for the NFC South, pretty much. Oh, God. Tampa minus three. I'll take the Bucks by default. I was going to say, can I take Tampa by default just because? Yep. I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine. When is the week that they actually show up and play 60 minutes of football? I'm yet to see it. When does it actually happen? You hope for Brady's sake in the playoffs? Because <laughs> they're going to have to keep him upright. Because if he gets knocked out, it's over. Yeah, it is over. No they doubt. They lose him, it's done. They, they got to keep that man upright. So they, they got to play full 60 minutes for his sake. In the playoffs, I mean. Yeah. They could probably get away with not playing this full 60 against Carolina, but still. Denver at Kansas City. Denver has fired Nathaniel Hackett. Chiefs are minus 12 and a half. Kansas City. It feels like Kansas City, right? At Arrowhead? I mean. They're still playing for a one seed. They're going to they're gonna drop a hammer on them, in my opinion. I see Kansas City trying to start this game fast, keeping it fast as long as they can, and then maybe easing off the gas in, like, the fourth quarter. This but could they'd be, be up like 27 at that point. <laughs> right. It, this could be a three-possession game without blinking, honestly. It should be because they, be. they kind of struggled in Denver, but that was in Denver. This is at home, at Arrowhead. They should be able to take care of business, no problem. Denver's offense is really good, and it doesn't even matter. No, their defense is really good. I mean, yeah, Denver's defense, <laughs> excuse me. God, we know their offense isn't good. Russell Wilson, you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Broncos country, Coach Fried. But, like, we, we know what Denver's defense is, but the reason why they can't stay in games is because we know what their offense is, too, and their offense is pretty much the exact opposite of their defense. Exactly. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Kansas City. Uh, Indy at the Giants. Giants minus five and a half on the count of three. One, two, three. Giants. Giants. <laughs> uh, a lot of favorites right now. A lot of favorites. <laughs> we have one upset so far. Uh, Jacksonville at Houston, Texans plus four and a half. This is another one that it kind of doesn't feel like it matters, but at the same time, if you're Jacksonville, you should win this game. You're at home. You're facing the Texans. They are in Houston. Oh, they're, they're in Houston. Oh, okay, my bad. But, but still, they should win this game. <laughs> well, here's the problem, though. The last time you faced Houston, you were at home. And you lost 13 to 6. Correct. So you should win this game. Keyword is should. Because you should have won the last game. Four and a half? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust. You think it's too many points? Jacksonville four and a half on the road. Because they couldn't beat him at home. Oh, man. I think you might be right. It's, it's hard <laughs> to trust it. I might go with the Texans on principle. They, I mean, they're giving a lot of teams this, a hard time. This is the week that they they don't show up. Probably. Because, you know, there's a Texans. But... Houston, is that what you're doing? I actually really like the pick. I'm going to ride it, man. I'm riding it. I like the pick. They can win by a field goal, but I don't see them winning by more than more than four. 
I just don't. I'll take Jacksonville. I like your pick, though, but I'm going to be different. Fair enough. And this is also another game that Jacksonville technically doesn't have to win. They don't. Uh, both are 7-8. and eight. If Tennessee loses and Jacksonville both. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they both I mean, lose. It comes out on next week. It still comes out on next week. So, I mean, they, they, they have to win next week anyway. Yep. Uh, the biggest who could care less game in the world, <laughs> Arizona at Atlanta. Oh, my God. If this doesn't scream Spiro Deeds, oh, <laughs> although yeah. that's Spiro CBS, Deeds. Yep. this would be Fox. This is like a Dick Stockton game if Dick Stockton wasn't retired. Dick Stockton. <laughs> oh, man. I remember, Dick, I remember when Dick Stockton did NBA games way back in the day. Oh, yeah, on NBC. Yeah, this is this He filled is in for Marv. Yeah. Okay, well, now i got to look this up because I, I'm intrigued of who's doing this game. This game is Jason Bonetti and Brady Quinn. Wow. Bonetti getting called up to an NFL game. Wow. He hasn't done one all year. Brady Quinn on the color, too. Wow, okay. Fair enough. That, that That's a... Uh... That's a shocker to me. I thought Chris Myers maybe would get this one. <laughs> Falcons versus Cardinals. Tell me your team screwed up your quarterback situation without telling me your team screwed up your quarterback situation. Uh, who are you taking here, Josh? <laughs> it's Atlanta minus three and a half at home. Oh, dear God. Atlanta by default because I don't trust Arizona. That's pretty much it. Uh, and Atlanta can actually run the ball. That's about, that's I'll, about all. I'll tag you on that one. I, I agree. I'll take Atlanta by default. Cleveland at Washington, Commanders minus two, but they're going with, wait for it, wait for it. It's not Taylor Heineke. Why, why will they not let Taylor Carson Heineke? Carson Wentz is the quarterback this week. Why will they not let Taylor Heineke be great? I don't know. Let that man be great. I'm taking Cleveland. Uh, <sighs> it just seems like they're panning away for Green Bay to backdoor into the playoffs. They can really, they can really hand this game over. Yes. Oh my Maybe God. Wentz plays a couple of drives, sucks, and they go right back to Heineke, and he goes, "Where did that bring you? Right back to me." Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I might have to go. I might have to go Cleveland with this one. Yep. And I don't trust Cleveland any further than I can throw him, but I yep. might have to go with Cleveland in this one because I don't trust Carson Wentz worse than I don't trust Cleveland. I agree. Miami at New England. Steelers need a Patriots win. Patriots are minus three. I'm taking New England. Even with having to deal with Mac Jones, the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has to start this game for Miami. Mm-hmm. Although, Teddy Bridgewater still has some left in the tank. Let's he, not. He's not bad. Let's not look past him. He's not bad. He's a pretty good backup quarterback. Right. He's a very capable backup quarterback. But New England, this is a game that screams New England just playing, playing solid defense. Being smart with the football, not turning it over, like I always talk about. They're a plus five takeaway team. Um, pretty good run offense. And they're still trying to get into the playoffs. And they're so still they're trying to get to the hard. playoffs. I I gotta go with New England here. Yep, same here. And they're at home. They don't play well in Miami, but right. they play well at home. Oh, they they lay eggs in Miami. Yeah, exactly. They're also eight and seven against the spread this year. How about that? Belichick, man. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Uh, they tried to they tried to go nine and six against Cincinnati last week when they scored eighteen in a row and right. then fumbled inside the ten. Sure did. Uh, if I would have bet the Bengals, which was my original plan, I would have been furious if that would have oh ended up being a backdoor cover. Uh, <clears throat> but it, it that'd have been rough. Yeah, it would have been rough. Uh, Jets at Seahawks. 
Seattle plus one and a half. In order for the Steelers to make the playoffs, the Jets have to lose. So I'm going to continue to go with that theory. I'll take Seattle. I will go with Pro Bowl quarterback Geno Smith. Oh, I thought you were going to go. And the Seahawks. <laughs> You're going to say Mike White? <laughs> no, no, no. Geno Smith. Let Geno Smith be great. And hand, hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker and let him run all over the Jets. <laughs> what's crazy is they were like, oh, we'll go with Geno Smith and you were draft the quarterback, and Geno Smith is actually balling out. So, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> at well, at, first he, people were at like, least he was balling out for like a month. People were like, wait a minute, Geno Smith instead of um, – Oh, who's the kid from Denver that they got in the trade? The quarterback. Uh, Instead of him, they were surprised that it was Geno Smith, and Smith has been doing really well compared to the other guy. Why is this bothering me? That I'm I can't looking at his name. Drew Locke. Drew Locke, thank you. Yeah. All right, so we both got Seattle. San Fran at Vegas. Vegas is benching Derek Carr. Uh, He's also left the team. He, he's 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 leaving the team. He's MIA. Like he's he's gonna be like I guess they announced he's gonna be away from the team these last two games. Yikes! So, so uh, <laughs> tell me you screwed. Tell me your organization screwed up your quarterback situation without telling me you screwed up your quarterback situation. <laughs> he's pulling a Dennis Rodman. Oh my God! <laughs> will he show up at WWE next week? Yeah, understand? exactly. He will be the newest member of the bloodline. It's Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> like Rodman in WO style. Uh, San Fran minus 10. I'm going to keep riding the Brock Purdy train until he lets me down. I'll Why not, man? Why not? I. There's nothing that Oakland can do offensively at quarterback without Derek Carr. I see me able to run, run rough shot with, with San Francisco. San Francisco is so ridiculously physical. They're going to beat you up on both sides of the ball. Vegas isn't ready for that. I'll go San Francisco. Rams and Chargers. Chargers minus six and a half. I'll take the Chargers. My God. Ugh. Can I say Chargers by default? Yep. Because, and I don't even know if I trust the Chargers by six and a half, because <laughs> you know I don't trust Brandon Staley. Correct. Ugh. Minnesota, Green Bay, Packers minus three. Minnesota at Green Bay. I'm going to go with Green Bay. Green so Bay is riding the wave right now. I know. They're getting dangerous, and they're, they're kind of the team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. They, they, and there's always one team that you're like, oh, you don't want to face that team. Green Bay might be that team. Yep, in the NFC. Rodgers is balling out right now. Yeah, Christian Watson balling out. I have to agree. The Packers are playing like a team that can still back into the playoffs, and Washington's just like, oh, Taylor Heineke, nah, we'll go Carson Wentz this week. And and it's Lambeau in January. Yeah. There's and that too. the Vikings already clinched, so yep. Green Bay by default. There you go. Steelers, Ravens, we both have the Steelers in this one. Yes. Finally, this is the game of the week. Monday night football, Bills at the Bengals. Bengals plus one at home. This is crazy for me. But I feel like Cincinnati is doing everything right at the perfect time. If there is a game where since he can make things complicated, it's this one. Since he just maintaining the football and just having long drives and just wearing Buffalo down, this mm-hmm. is this is the game you do it. And I mean, you got Mixon, you got P. Ryan, you can run the ball. Your defense is, I think, I think since he's defense, they can't shut Buffalo down, but they can keep them close. They're giving up 20 points a game. 
They're a plus three takeaway team. They don't allow a lot of rushing yards a game. And they don't really get smoked that badly in the passing game. And Burrow can make enough plays even without having to try to come back and win a game. We know he can come back and win a game. He did it against Brady and Tampa. Right. But since he can also make that defense just efficient enough to keep Buffalo off the field and make it complicated, I think since he can win this game. And they're at home. I like that for them. I really do like that for Cincinnati. I like the Bengals as well. They're playing really good football. For some reason, they're the kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Can they be the kryptonite for Josh Allen now? But the Browns are also the kryptonite for the Bengals. Or for, for Joe Burrow, which <laughs> yeah. is crazy. Wait, did he, didn't, he, didn't he beat them finally? I think he finally did beat yeah, the Browns. he finally beat them. But, I mean, to me, if the Bengals win this game, they got to be the favorites out of the AFC. I'd say you so. can beat Buffalo... And and Kansas City in the oh, regular yeah. season. Absolutely, you're not afraid of anybody in the AFC playoffs. I said this a week ago on my radio show. Since he's the hottest team in the AFC, and right now they're they're probably the most dangerous going into the playoffs. And if they beat Buffalo, they prove that totally. And I think they will. We're both riding the Bengals. We're riding the Bengals. All right, that'll do it for us. Episode 58 in the books. We weren't going to do one, but we decided let's do one anyway. Yeah, let's get it in. quickly. Moment of the year. Ooh, you mean like in sports, in sports or in general? In sports. Uh, that's tough. Um, Let's go. We'll go Pittsburgh sports. For me, it was Jack Zawinski on Father's Day. That's a good one. Hitting the three home runs. That's a good one. That was pretty sweet. I will go this past weekend. Franco Harris game? Franco Harris game. Pick it to Pickens. Like everybody's been saying since the draft. Mm-hmm. Keeping their playoff hopes alive on an emotional night. They're honoring Franco, 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. They're retiring his jersey number. I'll, I'll go with that one. That's a I good think answer. that's a huge one. Honorable mention, sweeping uh, the Dodgers <laughs> in Chavez Ravine. That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> Honorable mention, I will go with... I went two pirate ones. <laughs> you did go two pirate ones. Honorable mention, man, this is hard. Uh, I'll say Chris Letang coming back from a stroke. That's good. And cool. scoring, what, his third game in? Yeah. I'll go with that one. Honorable mention. Okay. 2022 will be in the books when we are done. Yeah, we'll be coming back at you guys in 2023. That's nuts. It is It's nuts. a new year already. Let, let's figure this one now. Jake Gens was too easy, so... Next episode, Rob Mikoviak? Yeah. <laughs> I like where your head's at, my friend. Rob Mikoviak episode coming next year. We'll do it then, and we'll see you then.